Welcome back to the UCM Veterans Voice. It's another semester, and my name is Garrett Fuller, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dewey Ball. Hello. So, you may you may not know this until now, but today is actually our one-year anniversary since we released our first episode on uh, February 26, 2020. So, with that out of the way... Uh, I would kind of like to talk about our favorite podcasts and talk about the year in review. So let me ask you, Dewey, what was your favorite episode so far? Garrett, you really put me on the spot with that because I loved all of them. (laughs) I really did. Um, And to say that one is better than the others to me is really kind of a lie because I liked, I really did. I liked them all. The one, our first one, I think was Chris. Uh, right. That was the second one. Was it the uh, Yeah. Our first one was our introductions. Yeah. yeah. I think, I guess then I would say that I do prefer when we have someone to interview. I like yeah. whenever we're talking and learning about, you know, their, uh, how they got into the military, how they got into academia and all of that. I find that, you know, very interesting. It's always fun to talk to people and hear their backstories. And yeah. Definitely. There's been a lot of really interesting stories that I've learned, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, Ken Schuler's story was pretty interesting. Uh, I liked uh, Vicki Orcutt's story as well. Chris Stockdale was also pretty good. It's it's hard for me to choose which guest was my uh, favorite or which episode was my favorite. Uh, what was probably the most interesting story uh, to you? If you had um, to pick the one, one that's sticking out right now is with Kelly Murphy. Yeah. Um, how he moved from, I believe it was Indiana to California, right next door to his future wife. Um, that's something you you know see in a movie or a, you know <laughs> read in a book. Doesn't happen that often, but to to relocate halfway across the country, and if I remember right, he was still a teenager. Seemed yeah. like he was fairly still young in high school. Yeah. Um, didn't he work like at her dad's shop or something? Uh, I don't remember. That seemed right like off the top her, of my head. Her, him and her dad had a relationship. Anyway, I, I I think that was a neat story. Move out there, meet your your future wife at the you know you don't know at the time. You're both young and become sweethearts and yeah. So I found that interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, that was a pretty interesting story. Uh, also, you know, like I said, I I I could not pick one specific. Uh, person we interviewed or one specific story because it really is hard. Uh, I would say Kelly's is up there. Um, I really enjoyed uh, uh, Vicki Orcutt's story. Mm-hmm. Uh, just being, you know, a woman in the military and, you know, going through the ranks. Yeah. You know, kind of going through the glass ceiling, as some would say. Yeah. Uh, Chris's story also was interesting. I remember how he talked about how he used to work at a uh, school on a uh, Native American reservation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was pretty interesting. Uh, the thing that, but uh, Ken Schuler's story of getting uh, banned out, uh, banned from uh, Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> you weren't there for that story, I was, was not you? here for that interview, no. Yeah, I, re- I remember now. Well, Ken Schuler, uh, episode six, uh, Ken Schuler was telling us a story about how uh, when he was in the military, I think he was, yeah, he was in the Air Force, and him and a bunch of other airmen uh, took someone to a birthday party because they never had a birthday party they wanted as a child, 
and they wanted, you know, kind of the stereotypical fun birthday party from what I understood of it. So they went to the Chuck E. Cheese and Independence uh, <laughs> and uh, Ken Schuler uh, jumped into a ball pit and hurt a child apparently Uh-oh. and got banned <laughs> from Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, thankfully, uh, or well, I should say, uh, he, I think he said he's been back to that Chuck E. Cheese since because of his grandchildren or yeah. children. And well, was the child all right that he, he, I think hurt? so, probably just scared him more than yeah. actually hurt them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but could you just imagine being a little child <laughs> having fun in a ball pit and all of a sudden a grown man just jumps right in? <laughs> Be pretty scary. Yeah, I would not have uh, thought Ken was capable of that, but <laughs> yeah. that's just it. You never know. You yeah. never know about people, do you? Yeah. Um, you know, so many interesting stories over the year. Like I said, it's really hard to pick one. Um, I just think, like all of them combined, I love, I love when you get people relaxed enough to where they can just tell you their story from their point of view. Yeah. And, and uh, be comfortable with it, kind of going into uh, maybe things that they don't normally talk about on a day-to-day basis. So. Yeah, like jumping into a ball pit. Exactly, yeah. Hurting. Or how uh, Kelly met his his wife and, yeah, uh, Vicky's story of going through the ranks, like you said. And, yeah. and even our own um, student workers over at the, the vet center, all of their stories, how they got here and what they went through and the yeah. different things that – it takes to not only go through the military and then transition from the military into academia and right. Yeah. So a lot of shared experiences out there. Yeah. What was your favorite story from your time in the military? Mm. Like if you had one interesting story that you haven't (laughs) talked about yet, what would you? Well, if I, (laughs) I've got a few, I guess, but. If I want to keep it family friendly, <laughs> I guess the the one that it's not really that interesting to me, but it was it's always one I like to share with people is when I got my orders to Korea. Um, I was stationed here at Whiteman at the time. I'd been at Whiteman a, probably about two years, and at that time I'd been in the military around six or seven years. Um, Whiteman was my second uh, uh, base that I'd been stationed at. And I got the orders to Korea, and Korea was considered like one of those places that you don't want to go. It's one of those set of orders that you get and you kind of dread. Um, but I ended up actually really liking it. It was probably my favorite uh, duty station that I was uh, a part of. Um, went over there. I'm a pretty optimistic person, so I didn't go over there just completely thinking it was going to be bad. Um, but it was a little rough. It was an adjustment, everything from the food and you know, just the water and the things that you're you're not used to, that cultural things, you know, within the, the local population. So, um, but within a few months, I really acclimated and I really started liking to go out and explore the culture, explore the, just the way of life in Korea and what it's like for daily, the daily life of Koreans. Um, I also got the experience of teaching English, which led to my master's degree in, in TESOL here. So I came back and I've taught here, and it was all because of that experience. I would have, I never set out thinking that I would teach English, and it, 
uh, that all started as just a volunteer opportunity for me while I was in the Air Force to go on Saturdays and, and work for a few hours in the afternoon with elementary students on their English. And then that, that, of course, evolved into more. When I came back here to work on my degree in psychology, I found out that they had a uh, the TESOL program here. Yeah. And I ended up teaching here with international students, and that kind of led to a whole whole other area of my life experience that I never set out to do, and it was all because of that trip over there, for yeah. sure. So. Yeah. So going from your experience in Korea, and I know you have st- uh, taught TESOL here and studied and want to teach uh, English uh, to as a second language. Mm-hmm. Um, do, uh, do you want to go back to Korea to do that? Yeah, I absolutely would love to go back. COVID obviously put a, a, a hold on a lot of things. Right now, the last I checked, uh, pretty much anywhere in – well, pretty much all over the world, if you fly into anywhere, you're going to be on a quarantine. So, yes. And you're going to foot the bill for that. So that really put a stop on my plans. Right now, I'm just kind of in a holding pattern, waiting. Maybe things will change here by the summer. I'm hoping things will start becoming more relaxed and you can actually fly, you know, travel again like like it was before with not all the extra yeah. things you're going to have to deal with right now. So, yeah. But, yeah, that is those are my future plans. I'm hoping – Within the year, I can be somewhere back over. Um, and it doesn't have to necessarily be Asia, but Asia is the most, it's the one I already have experience with, and it also pays fairly well. Like, you can go to Europe, but they just don't pay quite as well because they have such a, an abundance of teachers there. So the the supply outweighs the demand, whereas in, in Asia, it's a little bit different. And in Asia, there's there are fine teachers there too, and they can teach the language. But the the issue comes to the actual speaking portion, because if you have, a, for example, in Korea, a Korean teacher that teaches English, uh, that teacher will typically still have the the thick Korean accent, and that usually transfers to the students, and so <laughs> it becomes very difficult to understand their English, even though. Uh, written English and their reading skills are quite good. Their speaking skills are the problem. So they really, they really are, um, you know, reaching out to native speakers that can come over and work with their students yes. on the speaking portion. So uh, whereas Europe, it's not. Europe is a little. Again, the teachers there are fine quality too, but the the ability to speak the language without the thicker accents much easier there. So, yes. So, yeah. So it's kind of interesting that you bring up the TESOL program and everything because kind of goes back to the genesis of this podcast. I mean, because uh, for those who do not know, I actually have a couple on-campus jobs, and one of them is I actually work at the English Language Institute, and I believe you were still – working there yeah at the time I met you that was my final semester I had the I was finishing my practicum then and so I was teaching with the English center at the time yes and I think Val introduced us kind yes. of something like that yeah. so. and then I remember uh, when we met uh, you brought up the uh, you brought up the military and veterans center and you mentioned that they were interested yeah in doing I think I, I think that you told me you were uh, a student with digital media, digital production. media, and and that, and I'm like, hey, we're 
at that time we were talking about at the vet center putting together a podcast and yeah so it worked out I reached out to you and I think that following semester you got back in touch with us and yeah a year ago and yeah. here we are today yep here we are <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would have been I think in like November December it would have been late like 2019 late yeah. yeah and then January we were working on preparing for the first episode and then February came along and here we are yeah, yeah. Time flies by, doesn't it? Yeah. It does not feel like a – it doesn't feel like a year, but at the same time with COVID and everything, it definitely feels like a year. Yeah, I the mean, COVID has been a weird – it's really – it's done a lot of strange things. Yeah. So, I think, you know, coming from someone who's trying to get a job in digital media, I think, though, like people going into other professions such as teaching and – business and stuff i think covid has helped us learn a lot mm. because you know being in a lot of field you know in any field you're going to have to adapt and overcome obstacles and one of the obstacles we had to overcome with the podcast was especially in the spring semester or, or well we we only had four episodes i believe in the spring because we recorded them in february and then in March, uh, March 16th, if I remember right, the it was the exact date, the university just went on total lockdown almost. Yeah, yeah, we started working from home and yeah. a lot of things changed at that time. Yeah, yeah and it, I don't think at the time we could have access to the studio. No. I think we did a couple of, so your Ken Schuller episode, I think that was done through Zoom or Skype. Or, yeah. yeah, so I was actually getting to that. So uh, in the spring... Uh, Obviously, we didn't record any more episodes after the whole university shut down. Uh, and all of my classes went online as everyone else's did. Um, and then in the fall, the uni the university reopened. And I think the labs here uh, were also opening back up. But I decided to do them, uh, to do our shows through Zoom there for a while. Uh, I know... Um, the first episode of last semester, so episode five, Ken Schuler's episode, those two were through Zoom. Mm -hmm. Problem with doing Zoom, though, is, you know, you either pay like 15 bucks a month or you get limited to 40 minutes, which sucks. So, yeah, yeah. and plus, I love being in person. I love being face to face and. I hope one of these days we can actually take these masks off and mm. actually see people talking and not have to wear, <laughs> you know, something that garbles your voice. Yeah. I saw a, an old friend a few days ago at the store and I hadn't seen in at least a year, but we didn't recognize each other at first. But once we did, oh, hey, how are you doing? And then he went to shake my hand. I did too. And then we stopped yeah. and we remember, well, we really shouldn't do that, but- yeah, I felt like you know, it, it, such a strange thing to do something so natural that I've done. Yeah, I've been taught that's just a greeting gesture. Yeah, now you do the fist bump and. Yeah. Both of us kind of laughed about it anyway. We're like, yeah, yeah well, maybe this will subside sometime soon, and things will get back to normal. So. And then I remember coming. <clears throat> finally, we got back into the studio. So where we did the Halloween episode. Mm. So. But yeah, the Ken Schuler episode, I think that one, and I know for sure the first one were both on Zoom. Yeah. 
because I remember we had a little bit of issues with Zoom. Yeah. Um, another nice thing about being in the studio is not having to constantly worry about is the university Wi-Fi going to hold up or is it going to do that glitchy or just cut out completely like Yeah, someone gets us. disconnected or they lose their internet. You know, that's always a concern, yeah. yeah. Well, and since I live in the dorms, uh, since I live on campus, uh, the universe, I mean, the university Wi-Fi can just sometimes just cut completely out. So you'll be in a Zoom call and you'll be going along and just out of nowhere, it just cuts out. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, another concern with doing everything through Zoom. Yeah. So. So how about you, Garrett? What are your... How has your year been? This is, if I understand right, this is your last semester, right? Yeah, this is my last semester. I'm actually graduating in May. Uh, I just officially started the job search. So How's that going? Uh, it's going okay, I guess. <laughs> um, COVID yeah. obviously is a concern and just uh, trying to find something, just really anything. Yeah. So... Um, this semester, obviously, like I said, it's my last semester. I'm great. Uh, I get to walk across the stage, hopefully, uh, in the multi-purpose build, uh, multi-purpose building, or wherever they hold it. Are you excited? Um, it's a mixture of excited, stressed out, anxious, and depressing. It's it's <laughs> it's very complicated yeah. because. I'm excited to uh, finish one chapter and then start a new chapter of my life. Yeah. At the same time, it's nervous. It's nerve-wracking and stressing because you have to find a job. In my case, I have to find a job by May, whether it's in my field or whether it's being a cashier at the local McDonald's or Walmart. Um and it's also, you know, kind of depressing because all of my friends, all of the people I knew here at the university and I worked with for four years, uh, I, you know, uh, as I was telling one of my friends recently, you know, I don't really talk to any of my friends from high school. Mm. You know, that's the sad thing about moving on is, you know, when you do finish that chapter, all the care, all the characters, except maybe one or two from that chapter kind of get forgotten about yeah know, sadly you know that's well, just life changes and you have different priorities some yeah. people get married and have kids yeah some go on to college some go maybe to the military yeah and every you know whatever your daily experience is it becomes that group that's around you on the day-to-day -day basis is definitely going to be more a part of your life but it's always a good idea to stay in touch with your old friends and definitely. just reach out to them and yeah, um, but that's one of the depressing things, I guess, about it. Um, yeah, and the not knowing. Yeah, not knowing Like you knowing said, you need next. a job, and you just got to take anything almost, and it's yeah. kind of, yeah. Yeah, so. you know, that's the anxiety. Well, like I've said many times to you, Garrett, the best boss to have is yourself. So yeah. There are opportunities out there, and you got the, the right skill set, yeah. you know, a YouTube channel, something like that. Yeah. Just finding that right niche, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So hopefully things go smoothly, and hopefully this semester we can actually have a decent 
graduation, uh, given the circumstances, I guess, um, because I know last, I, I know in the fall they had uh, commencement ceremonies, but I know last spring they canceled the commencement yeah. ceremonies altogether, which yeah. was kind of really depressing and kind of, I'm not really going to voice my opinions on it, on that. I thought it was the wrong call, but I Why think did you they think could it's have, the wrong call. Well, I think they could have uh, streamed it. They could mm. have done more. Yeah, you know, especially with our department with DMP. You know, we stream it anyways. You know, so I just couldn't see why they couldn't have adapted and yeah, maybe came just, up. Just have the students, but no audience. Yeah, and then stream it live yeah. or something. Or do like what some high schools have done and just create like a video slideshow almost mm. of them getting their diploma. Yeah, you know, just anything. Something for the memory, yeah, for posterity. That and you know, just the recognition. Yeah, uh, or recognition. Yeah. Um, because a lot of, you know, a lot of people dream about that day. Mm. You know, it's very. Yeah. A lot momentous. of people put three, four, five years into it to get yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully this uh, in May we can have a somewhat decent, normal. Traditional style. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if, you know, you can only invite one or two family members or even if it's streamed you know, completely streamed, mm -hmm. you know, just being able to walk across that stage, you know, is, you know, some of the greatest feelings that we'll feel. <laughs> yeah. It's you definitely know. a milestone in your life for yeah. sure. And you want to do it, I guess, properly. Is that the word I want? But you, you don't want to just not have anything. You want yeah. something there. Yeah. To, yeah. to have the memory of it. Yeah. Yeah. So... And then this podcast has also been a big part of my uh, last year, obviously. Yeah. So I guess with that note, or on that note, uh, what have you been doing the last year? Uh, so I've moved on from the Veterans Center. Um, I'm kind of self-employed. I do, I have friends that have their own businesses and I've invested with them. Uh, I... Not by, it's definitely by just luck. It was not by any of my insider intelligence with finances, but I invested in Bitcoin a while back, a year or two ago. And for any listener out there that knows what Bitcoin is doing, it's made me very happy. And yes. And put me in a very secure uh, space. So it allows me more freedom to just kind of pursue things that, uh, I would like to do what I'd really like to do is teach English abroad, but due to COVID and all of the restrictions with traveling right now, it's just not a good time. So I'm just kind of biding my time waiting. Um, I'm hoping here within the next maybe four, five, six months, things will loosen up a little bit and it will be easy to travel again. Now, the opportunities are still there to teach. It just takes so much right now to do it, to get to the country you want to go to and uh, there's a quarantine that's going to be in place and all of these things. So, uh, like I said, I, I've kind of looked out with my investment and put me in a place where I can, I'm, I'm okay for yes. a while. So, so would you like to move over there, or would you just like teach for like a semester and come back? Or? I guess if I had my best case scenario, if I was just able to do whatever I want, I would probably go back and forth. I would probably own some land here in a house in Missouri. I have a lot of family down south. 
I, I would, you know, have my little country house and all of the things that I want out there. And then I would maybe go teach on, cause you can do contracts differently through, yes. throughout the world. They can be six month contracts or one year or even smaller things. You can do like one and two month They'll They're typically like what they call an intensive English yes. style. They can be a camp or something they do during the summer. So I would like to do that. And then maybe, uh, after a few years of the traveling, I would get uh, connected with the university and be a part of the international department. I would like to recruit. I would still teach, like maybe on the side, but I would like to travel around and recruit students to come to whatever university I'm working for. Okay. That would be my ideal situation. Yeah. Kind of give me that the leniency to travel. Um, I'm not a good nine to fiver. Like I can do it. I, you know, we all can. But yeah. me personally, I like the I like the fluidity of changing you know your day-to-day routine or having i also like projects too like we have something coming up and you're working on it and that's the goal and so so the whole traveling abroad teaching over there you know a few months out of the year and teaching back here in the states a few months out of the year and then also recruiting and yeah that would that's what i would like to do but you know we'll see how that all works out yeah do you have like any uh ideal places for where you would like to go teach? Uh so I know Korea. Yeah, you, I taught you in Korea Asia. for a couple of years. I I definitely liked Asia. I had I was stationed there in the Air Force for a couple of years also. Um Europe, I would like to go. I've been through Europe. Like I've visited we've been to Spain and England and Ireland. Um I was in Turkey for a few months. Um I'm just a traveler, I think, by heart. I like to travel, so to say that there's this one area specifically that I like, I've, I've had most of my experience in Asia. Yes. So I'm comfortable there. And since it's been a while since I've been overseas, I feel like if I went to Korea now, I could, I would just feel normal. It wouldn't it'd yes. be like riding a bike, you know. Yeah, I've done this. I've been here before. Yes. So the <laughs> comfort zone would be nice. But I also wouldn't mind to go to Europe. I've always wanted to, when I was in Turkey, uh, Turkey borders Greece. So there's yes. a lot of the old... Greek statues and monuments and all of that, and that was that was really fascinating to me. So I wouldn't mind to spend maybe six months or a year in Greece or somewhere in that area. And that Mediterranean is beautiful, the, that whole area. Yes. So, so yeah, I can't say that one outweighs the other. But yeah, if I wanted the comfort, Asia, I've been there. But I would also like to visit other countries. It just kind of depends on the situation, what you're working with, and. You know, I would go from there. So as far as Asia, you've said you've been to Korea. Yeah. What other places in Asia would you like to end up in, So, except Korea? Well, I've been to Japan briefly. Um, I've been to China briefly. Uh, What were those places like? um, (laughs) Japan is very interesting. They're very, very efficient people. Like everything, well, Korea was too, but it's, I think it's partly due to just their whole, um, the geography. They're small, you know, as far as the actual land space. So they build up. Like when I lived in Korea, I could, I could access everything from, uh, you know, going and getting food to getting my hair cut to seeing a doctor within like a one or two block radius. Everything was right there. Yeah. Cause they were all, Everything was built up. So you were four, five, six-story buildings all over the place. And in yeah. each of those buildings, there may be a supermarket. There may be a dental clinic. There may be a hospital. Yeah. There may be, you know, and at the top it might be a yoga studio or something, <laughs> yeah. you know. But it was all right there. 
where in the states it's things are much more spread yeah. out you need a car to just get to anywhere and do any, it's very different lifestyle so um and then they have like those really tiny like apartments if you could even yeah, call them yeah in japan apartment. so i guess my point was like korea is pretty efficient and i spent the most time there but japan's even more so japan yeah. is even more um being a larger guy as myself too, that's another kind of a drawback in Asia because everything's built for smaller people. Yeah. And sometimes you find yourself a little crowded, but I would like to check Japan out uh, more. I was, as a kid, I was always fascinated by the whole samurai and ninja culture. Yeah. That was something that I think is pretty common for young young males in America. Um, so yeah, I would like to explore that. The landscape there is beautiful. Korea was a lot like the Ozarks. It was a lot like Southern Missouri, not like, they're they're called mountains, but they're big hills to me. Yeah. You know, it's not like the Rocky Mountains, but so yeah, it was. And again, going back to what I said earlier, I feel like I'm just kind of a traveler by heart. I like to yeah. experience the new culture. I like to get to know the people. Food, I love the food. Yeah, uh, Korean food at first didn't. I'm not a spicy person, but they have spice, and I actually. After a few months, it really grew on me. I still yeah. like certain Korean foods to this day. Um, I'll either make them myself or seek them out if I can. Uh, we have a decent um, Oriental cuisine here in Warrensburg. Have oh, you ever eaten there? Over by uh, Dairy Queen. Queen. Yes. Okay. The owner's Korean. Yeah. I've never ate there, but I've heard of it, and I've heard it's really good. It is good, yeah. Um, she does some traditional Korean dishes. She does sushi, sashimi, some other, you know, Asian dishes. Yes. But, um, yeah, so if you're ever wanting some some Korean food, that's a place to check yeah. out. Shameless plug. We're not yeah. uh, We're not sponsored. But if you're listening, I, I wish I could remember her <laughs> name right now. Free, free dinner. Uh, no, but, again, I don't have anything specific. Like, I don't want to go just to this place or that place. But I would like to check out Japan. I'd like to check out China, too. But... You know, you only have one lifetime. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it could take a, you know, China itself is huge. Yes. And what I found out in Korea there, you, you, it's, uh, people do this too when they come to America. So for example, I dealt with a lot of Korean students that were coming over here and I've seen a lot that have come here to Warrensburg to UCM and their perception of what America is, is like New York, yes. Chicago, they think it's like that everywhere, yes. but then they get here and they realize, well, wow, it's like you've got everything. You've got the cities, but you also have the very rural areas yes. too and the farmland and the small communities and small towns. And same thing when you go over there. So Korea, uh, I started off at the military base, which was near a fairly large city, maybe two or 300,000, um, about the size of Kansas City. But in Korea, since the landmass is so much smaller, you have a lot larger yes. uh, Metric, city areas, yeah. yeah. So I think if you don't know, Seoul's like the number three or four largest city in the world. I did not know that. I think, so there's about 40, and this is all going back. I'm kind of you know outdated. I could be completely wrong. But about 10 years ago, the population of Korea was around 40 or 50 million, and nearly half of the people lived in Seoul. Yes. Or in the, you know, the surrounding areas. Yeah. Seoul was the hub of yes. South Korea. But then once you go south away from Seoul and you get out to the countryside, you know, it's this whole different life and this whole different lifestyle. So if you, if your only experience with Korea was Seoul, it'd be like your only experience in America being New York City. Yeah. You know, it's very diverse. There's so much more yeah. to it than, you know, you want to. And for me, that's I like finding the off the, the beaten yes. trail stuff. I like to go out into the, the smaller communities yeah. and get to know them. 
And so. I've, I've uh, discovered that during my time at the English Language Institute, I've worked with some of the international students. Uh, we had one from Japan. And it was just interesting because whenever I think of Japan, it's kind of like that. You know, it really is. Tokyo. You know, and, yeah. you know I think of Tokyo uh, and, st- and places like that. And this person was from a rural part of Japan. And yeah. it was just really interesting hearing about that, about his experience. and I'm sure you've seen, too, most international students that come here to Warrensburg. I don't know how much research they do. Some of them seem to know what they're getting into, and some don't. Yes. Some think that Kansas City is a large city, which by most standards it is, but it's nothing compared to a, like a Tokyo or, or a New York or a Seoul or any of those things. So yeah. sometimes they're... I don't know. I don't want to say disappointing because I don't know that for sure. But you definitely know they want to travel. So yeah. like when they get some free time, when they've got the, the the Thanksgiving break or whenever summer break, they definitely like to go to Las Vegas and New York yeah. and L.A. They want to go check out, you know, the the iconic areas yeah. of the United States. So, yeah, for me, I was not I went to Seoul. I went through there and I, I don't like the big cities and the the crowdedness and once, well, I can't say once. I was there many times, but once I had seen it once, yeah. I didn't have a, a desire to go back. Yeah. I had been there, seen what I need to see. It's very crowded, very cool big city. It's 24, you know, open 24 hours. So three in the morning, if you want to go get food, it's there's definitely something open. Um, there's something going on. If that's what you're after, then it's definitely there. But if you want the more quaint relaxed, peaceful atmosphere, that's there too. You just have to go away from the bigger city. Yes. And you said you would also not mind going to China as well. Yeah, I have a cousin that's teaching there now. He's actually married um, to a Chinese woman, and they have, I think, two kids now. He's been there for five or six years teaching, and yeah, he loves it. Um, But again, like I said, you only have one lifetime, so yeah. China, kind of like Japan, just seems like a really interesting place to visit. Mm. You know, in my time at ELI, I've had also the pleasure of getting to know some of our Chinese students. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we also had a um, foreign teacher that came over for a semester uh, from China. Unfortunately, COVID kind of forced her to go back home. Mm. But it was just really interesting hearing about their experience because kind of like with Japan, we always think of Hong Kong or Beijing or Shanghai in China, but there's a lot of other more beautiful parts of China that aren't as industrialized and as built up and uh, I don't know how to put it, uh, just that stereotype, uh, stereotypical like Chinese, like Asian city, right? you know, where Kind of like Korea, you know, everything's kind of cramped together. You know, there's some parts of China that are a lot like here. You right. Know. Yeah. And, and and again, just depending on your preference, what you're yeah. after. So me personally, I like the quaint, more relaxed, uh, quiet atmosphere of the rural, small community. Um, when I went back, so I, when I got out of the Air Force and I went back to actually teach I did a contract in a, a small town in the southern part of Korea, which was called Mokpo. And this was considered a small town, but it was still a population of like 100,000. Yeah. 
Um, but again, because it's just so small there, so yeah, five times bigger than Warrensburg. Yeah, and that was a small place, but it it did have that feel for as big as it was. They uh, Koreans are very they're very environmentally conscious for one thing, and they're also very health oriented and conscious. Like everywhere were walking trails, um, so they and they would maintain their parks quite well too. So they were, again, like they would build up, they would build these buildings, but then all around those buildings would be nice green uh, parks and things to do outside. So it, and that, it seemed to be everywhere I went in Korea yeah, it was like that. Yeah, it just sounds sound so serene. And yeah, beautiful. and it was, it was. It was a nice kind of a change. Like we have those things here, but it's just a difference. Well, in Korea, for example, you don't need a car. It's not even an issue. If you want a car, it's more of a status thing or... If that's just like you're a business person who needs to travel yes. a lot and you want to drive. But uh, their infrastructure as far as their public transport was great. Trains, yeah. taxis, all of that. Um, and like when I went over to teach, I, I think I was about a four-block walk. They put me in an apartment like four blocks from the school. Yeah. So everything that I did in that town, Mokpo, I just walked around. And if it was anything out of you know walking distance, you just took a taxi or whatever and yeah. it was not a big deal. So. That part of the experience, and it was the first time, too, when I lived in Korea uh, that I'd ever seen the recycling, which we're starting to do more of that here in the States. I mean, recycling's been around for a while, but they'd actually implemented the plans of having the different bins. So you had a plastic bin, you had a cardboard bin paper, and blah, blah, blah. But this was 20 years ago. I'd never seen that, you know, but they were already doing this, and that was just normal. Like, um, that's what everybody did. And just the conscious level of of thinking about those things. But again, it's, it's by necessity because they are so cramped and they're dealing with the issues are magnified, you know, uh, pollution and trash and stuff like that. So they had to, they're really working on that's the same thing with Japan too. So, yeah. And you're fluent in, uh, or you're not fluent. I'm not fluent. No, I can speak a little Korean, um, you know, basic stuff, trying to order food. Where's the bathroom? You know, maybe, giving directions in a taxi but yeah to sit down and have a conversation no i can you know do the basic greetings and stuff like that and i do regret that i should have spent more time and learned korean but yeah because uh i know because i actually took spanish in high school so i know it's one of those uh learning a second language is one of those things you either use it or you forget about it and lose it but uh in high school you know i know Whenever I was in those Spanish classes, the teachers always stressed, you know, if you really are interested in learning Spanish or learning a second language, go there, you know, because that's the best experience you can get. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we have so many students that come here, Um, of course. For the. Yeah, the the ELI. Yeah. And it is. It's the best way. You just have to submerge yourself in that culture and that language because. Learning a language, you're not only learning just the basic grammar and structure of the language and the words of vocabulary. You're learning their culture, too, yeah. somewhat. And yeah. Kind of like, oh, go ahead. Whenever you can be a part of that, actually, and then apply it more and see how they're using it and how they talk and communicate. Well, here's a kind of a funny story. When I first got to Korea, I didn't know a, a lick of Korean at all. But when I would go off base into the local population— I felt like Koreans were arguing all the time, but it's part of their their conversation style. They're very animated. They use a lot of hand gestures, and they speak. They'll they'll get a 
their volume will continue to increase. Yeah. And if you don't know any better, you swear they're like arguing. I'm thinking, <laughs> my gosh, a fight's about to break out over here. And well, after a while, and I, I made some Korean friends, they're like, well, that's just more, yeah. it's just kind of a cultural thing. It's just how we speak here. And so. And most people in Korea are have at least some knowledge of English, correct? Yeah. Because it's, it's mandatory. It's pretty much a requirement for their elementary students to um, to uh, take some English courses, and they'll start pretty young. It, it depends on the parents or, and the school, but I would say probably average around third grade, they start taking English, maybe second or third grade. They just learn in the basics, you know, the alphabet mm-hmm. and some vocabulary. But by the time they're in... Uh, seventh, eighth grade, they actually have fairly good English skills, but it goes back to what I was talking about earlier, their speaking. Yes. That's the issue because they're learning it. It'd be like you and I taking a book on Spanish but not yeah. having an actual Spanish speaker teach us. We yeah. may pick up quite a bit, and we may actually be able to read and write and do well and maybe even understand conversations, but our speech will be definitely – uh, not the normal. Yes. You know, so that's that's the issue they deal with there. And they definitely, uh, at the time I went over, they wanted they were just wanting native speakers to come over and help their young students especially get acclimated to that sound and how, you know, again, it goes back to when you're learning language, it's not just simply the verbal communications. There's the body language. There's the eye contact. There's all of that that goes in, takes place. Yes. And every culture is a little different. Even in the United States, you know, if you go down south, compared yes. to going out to the west coast, people are going to have different, yeah. you know, customs and courtesies and idiosyncrasies and all of that. So. Yes. Um, so going back to the traveling, uh, did the Air Force kind of help uh, you get into traveling or were you kind of a traveler ever since you was a kid? I actually, yeah. So that's a good question. Um, so my first time... Leaving Missouri, I think I was in the fourth grade, and my dad got a job in Colorado. Mm. So we went to Colorado for about a year and a half, maybe two years, somewhere in there. I know I came back to Missouri for a brief, maybe few months, because I was, I think, in the fifth grade at that time. And I remember coming back to my grade school, and, you know, I'd been gone for over a year. So I got to see yes. all of my old classmates, and that was a, you know, a pretty big memory for me. But then it wasn't long, like within... Six months, my dad got a job out in North Carolina. Yes. So then we moved again, and I was out there for another couple of years. I came back I came back to Missouri right as seventh grade started. So, And then I was back here, you know, after that with my family anyway. And then when I joined the Air Force, um, definitely we traveled a lot. Yes. But I was, I guess because doing it at a young age, or it could have just been my natural inclination anyway, I like to travel. Yes. I loved Colorado. That was beautiful. North Carolina was cool. So you had the the Rocky Mountains and all of the outdoor stuff that we did in Colorado. And we went skiing and, you know, try to do all the things that you get to do out there. And then when we moved to North Carolina, you had the Atlantic Ocean and the beach, yes. Myrtle Beach and all of that. So I guess from that young age, I had positive experiences with travel. I liked it. It was I thought it was just great to go see these new places and, yes. you know, never really had dawned on me. So, yeah, I guess it was instilled at a young yes. age. And then when I got in the Air Force, and the irony was, I don't know if I've shared this story with you, but when you you go through basic training and then you get done with basic, you go to your your technical school training. Yes. And during that time, 
if it looks like you're going to make it, you know, you got through basic and everything's going to work out and you're going to make it into the military, they, they'll take you in. Uh, you'll have a couple of days where you, you fill out your dream sheet. And I'm doing air quotes right now because yes. it is a dream sheet. And I put everywhere overseas. I was ready to go. Europe, Asia, just send me anywhere overseas. And they sent me to Idaho. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, and so my friends that – I had probably five or six friends that did not want to go anywhere overseas. And they, they were, went. They yeah. wanted like Arizona or Texas or, you know, they wanted somewhere close back to home. And they all got sent overseas. Yes. So I was a little depressed there at that time until I got to my base in Idaho and come to find out uh, – so I worked on the F-16s. And we were considered a, oh, what was the wording we had? I can't remember the wording, but we, we deployed a lot yes. because we were a part of like, um, oh, my gosh, I went blank. It's been so long. Anyway, so w I wasn't there within eight months, and there we had a deployment over to, I think it was Oman, which is in the northern part of Africa. Yes. And we were enforcing at the time, this is like 1998, so we were enforcing something called Operation uh, Northern Watch and Southern Watch, and it was more or less we had uh, we would deploy units over on the northern part of Iraq and the southern part of Iraq, and just watch. So yes. we they would fly sorties to go. So long story short, uh, at Idaho, I deployed around nine or ten times. So I actually probably traveled more from Idaho than my friends that went to Korea or Japan because yes. they were pretty much stuck at that location, whereas me being in Idaho, I was going to Turkey and Oman and Saudi Arabia because we were doing, yes. that was our assignment, was that whole area. Yes. So I was constantly deploying to the Middle East. And, you know, it worked out. It I was not happy about the initial assignment, but then after I'd been there for a year or two, you know, I was going all the time. Like every, six months out of the year, I was deployed somewhere. So, yes. so I did get to travel. My wishes came true. Yes. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm the opposite. Uh, I have not really been out of Missouri much. So the first time, well, I guess you could say the first literal time that I uh, went out of Missouri was like whenever I was five or six. My parents got lost in Kansas City and ended up <laughs> in Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, my first actual time leaving Missouri was actually just a couple of years ago. It was my sophomore year here at UCM, and uh, I had to take a trip with a co-worker down to Louisville, uh, Kentucky, for a convention. So I got, to go th I got to go through Illinois, Indiana, and then obviously ended in Kentucky. Um, unfortunately, I did not get to see anything really that weekend because <laughs> yeah well we left for louisville at midnight uh on a friday night or well i should say a saturday morning i believe and then we drove all the way down to louisville uh got down to louisville around eight in the morning it rained the whole time i was driving so the rain was coming down so hard where we hit hit St. Louis, which was around 3.30 in the morning. Mm. I've really never been to St. Louis, so I didn't really know my way around. My co-pilot, you know, was asleep. <laughs> so uh, here I was wandering around St. Louis. 3.30 um, in the morning. <laughs> and the rain was coming down so hard my windshield wipers could barely keep up. Yeah. 
Uh, we almost missed the uh, turnoff. Uh, if you've seen that meme where the person's like <laughs> jerking the wheel to get onto the, that was us. Um, <laughs> thankfully, we made it. Um, but like I said, when we got to Louisville, it rained. It literally rained the whole weekend. Uh, we checked out Sunday morning, and guess when the rain stopped? Sunday morning. Yeah. And we could we couldn't really leave the hotel because of the rain, so it's right. not like we could go sightseeing. Didn't and see the arts or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Now on our way back to Missouri, I did get to see the arch from a distance, but um, you know we still had to make it back, like because she I think she had to work or something. So yeah, it was. <laughs> I wish we could have uh, went uh, sightseeing, but. Mother Nature had other ideas. Well, there will be opportunities in the future, I'm yeah. sure, Garrett. Yeah. And actually, not not too long ago, I got to go to Overland Park. So I guess you could say <laughs> I've been out of Missouri twice, yep. uh, unless you count that one time that my parents got lost in KCK. So do you have the desire to go? Would you like to see – would you like to go out of the United States? Would you like to go travel? I would. Yeah. I would like to go. Like on what basis? Like business or pleasure or both or uh, – Both. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually – I've always had a fascination with Ireland for mm. some reason. Ever since I was a little kid, I've always been fascinated with Ireland, so I would love to go. And, I mean, I don't know why because it's uh, – I'm probably – I don't know what my family history is like, but I think – I know I'm part Irish, mm-hmm. but it's a minority. I'm majority German, so yeah. um, Ireland's been on the top of my list. I would love to see China or Japan. Uh, China seem, or really both of them seem to be really uh, interesting places to visit. They have such a a, a deep, lengthy history. That's yeah. what's very. Uh, whenever it comes to me, I the reason I would love to visit China is because I've always been fascinated with Chinese history. Yes, uh, that whole area. Yeah. 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 Me too. And then I like to go to Mongolia, and I have a friend. She went there about three years ago to teach, and we—I have kind of lost contact with her. But I wonder what that whole experience was like, because Mongolia is definitely not what you—you know—it's not Tokyo, it's not Beijing, Shanghai, yes. any of that. It's much more rural, and yes. there's there's still. I guess they kind of are still much more traditional in their, you know, beliefs and the way they handle things. So, yes. But I find that fascinating. I, the, the history of Genghis Khan and all of that. Yes. And he's still, he is still idolized there. He was, Genghis Khan was still a huge figure in Korea. So there were statues and buildings there yeah. with his name and, and, you know, they're the effigy of him or whatever you would call that yeah. likeness of Genghis Khan. So wow. he's kind of a, like a, I don't know, maybe what George Washington is to the yes. United States, maybe. I don't know. He's He definitely has a huge, people know him yes. all over. So yes. Korea, Japan, China, yeah. I also would not mind visiting um, like Germany yeah. or in places That's like why that. I would like to go to Europe. Like there's a deep history there too. I'd like yeah. to visit all the castles and yeah. all of that old ancient history. That would be something. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, my uncle 
was actually stationed in Germany mm. back in the 70s. So actually a couple of my cousin or one of, at least one of my cousins was actually born in Germany. Mm. But yeah, he was stationed over there for a couple of years and it, uh, you know from what I heard it was really interesting being over there. Yeah. So Germany, uh, you know, obvi- also I have the family ties to it, kind of like, but to a lesser extent, Ireland. Mm. Uh, would not mind going to England. Really, I wouldn't mind going anywhere because I think <laughs> everywhere has, you know, a little bit of interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Um, and then here in the U.S., there's lots of places I would love to yep. visit. Uh, I've still never seen the Grand Canyon, and that's definitely on my to-do list yeah. before, you know, my bucket list, I guess we'll yeah. put it. I, the people that I know that have went there is like, yeah, you have got to go there. Yeah. You can't see it on TV. You can't see it in the picture. You need to go experience that. So. Yeah. I think my dad, he didn't um, he didn't go to the Grand Canyon, but he went to a canyon. I don't know which one. <laughs> <laughs> in Colorado. And he said mm. that was really interesting. I think they have the Royal Gorge. I think that was one. And it, it's pretty, yeah, yeah I've, I've been there. It's been a long time, but I remember it like, He's, it yeah. seemed like it must have been thousands of feet down. I don't know what yeah. it actually is, but it, it was yeah. amazing. Like, wow. Well, he said it was room. You know, he said whenever he went there, they had like this rumor going around that if you dropped a penny, it would act because there must have been like a railroad or something below it. But they, uh, he said that people there were saying that if you dropped a penny from the bridge, it actually crushed one of the railroad. Oh. Or rail cars. I don't know about that. But so I don't know either, but yeah. uh, that'd be kind of interesting. Well, I think now we're talking physics, right? Terminal <laughs> yeah. velocity. I think it would only get a certain speed. Yeah. But I, I again, I, like I said, I saw it when I was a kid, but it has still yeah. had an impression on me. It seemed like it was just like, yeah. wow. Like it wasn't yeah. something you thought, man, that's really high up. This is like, how, this, how is this even possible? We were, it yeah. felt like you were up in space looking down until you looked around. And yeah, everything's here. But when yeah. you looked over that, it's, yeah, it was something. So. Yeah, he went to Chicago as well and mm-hmm. got to go up into the, um, uh, well, then it was called the Sears Tower. I mm-hmm. guess now it's called the Willis Tower. No, oh, I didn't and, know that. Uh, yeah, he said that was interesting. Uh, he also said he got to go to Wrigley Field. Yeah. Um, but if I remember right, if you go up into the Willis Tower, and I think he, this was even a thing back then because he, I think he told me about it, but there's actually this room up there where it's glass and you can look right down, mm. you know, a hundred stories up, look right down onto the street below. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't know if do I that, could do yeah. that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a fan of heights like that. No. Um, California, I would love to go to. Uh, I would love to go to the Silicon Valley because I'm obviously interested in technology and tech history. Um, there's a lot of that there. Um, yeah, there's a lot of places I would love to go to. I'd like to l- continue living in the Midwest. I'd like to move out of Missouri, but. I'd like to stay in the Midwest. So See, I, when I was younger, I felt that way too. But now I'm a little older. I'd like to have my roots here. Like I said, yeah. I would like to own some land and a house here, but be able to travel and yeah. go around. But this would be my home base. Yeah. So whenever 
I'm tired of traveling or need a break from traveling. Yeah. I want to come home. I want to have that nice little country house, you know, and yeah. all of that. So Yeah, I don't know if I – yeah, I'd like to get out of Missouri, but I don't think I could move to, like, New York or the West Coast or Florida or Texas. I think I would – I really would like to stay in the Midwest, you know, because, I mean, Missouri – you know, there's a lot of places like Missouri all over the Midwest, you know, mm-hmm. Illinois, Indiana, Ohio. You can yeah. go west, Kansas, Nebraska. Or really, Kansas, Nebraska, you're really <laughs> getting more rural. Yeah. Uh, unless you go to like uh, Topeka or Wichita or stay in the Kansas City area or go to Omaha, Lincoln. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the, just interesting uh the, there's a lot of places in the world that you can go to and see, and a lot of those places are a lot like here, but a lot of those places, us, the same places have things that are completely different. Mm-hmm. So I guess on that note, is there anything anywhere else you would like to go? Or uh, The one place I've, well, I've been to every continent except for Australia and Antarctica. So I guess I would, Kind of like to check those two off just to say yeah. I've done it. I've always wanted to go to Australia anyway. Yeah. I've just never had the chance. Antarctica. Um, um, I worked with a guy whose dad was down there at one of the research labs working. I don't know if I could do Antarctica. I would like to just go um, just to see it. Just like I said, because then I'd say, yeah, I've been to every continent. Yeah. So that would be kind of cool. That would be interesting. But um, but the place that I was thinking of are, is Egypt and the pyramids. Yeah. I've always wanted to see the pyramids. So I learned a couple weeks ago because I watched a video of this guy who actually uh, climbed the pyramids and that's a big no-no over there. That's You, you used can, to be able to do it back, yeah, but now they don't want you doing that, of course. So I guess obviously because it's a huge liability. Right, yeah. Also, you're climbing one of the seven wonders of the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, that would be another in- interesting uh, place to see. Mm-hmm. You know. Absolutely, yeah. But I guess on that note, uh, time to wrap it up. So I would like to thank everyone for watch, uh, for listening, not watching, <laughs> <laughs> the latest episode of the UCM Veterans Voice. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at CM Veterans Voice. Know you at the beginning. And also on Facebook at UCM Veterans Voice. Thanks for listening and tune back in next time for our next show, which I don't know what it will be on, but (laughs) we'll certainly find something. Have a great day.